emotional wounds. You know, what does that look like? I mean, how does that feel? I mean, you know, I always talk to couples and, and we talk about, uh, we've got like spiritual wounds, emotional wounds. People will say, I'm angry with God and I feel some sort of way. Maybe spiritually I'm, I'm out of sorts and, and maybe physically I'm out of sorts. Maybe you came in today and you said, yeah, I am physically out of sorts. I don't feel right. And maybe emotionally or mentally that you're just not right on target and maybe you're out of sorts as well. But I want to ask you an important question. Do you want to be well? I know I want to be well. You know, getting older really does take a toll on your body, doesn't it? You just don't really, everybody loves, yeah, I've got group participation. And, uh, but I believe that we need to let go of those emotional wounds. I believe we can't see them, but I believe that there is power in healing and that there is power in Jesus' name. And I think that for many of us, we like to hold on to them. Now, for some of us, we realize that some of the pain that we've gone through, some of the emotional pain, we relive it because circumstances and maybe situations cause trigger reactions to where they come back. But I want you to know this, if you're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, you're going to press on, you're going to press forward. You know, the story about a man who was, uh, you know, almost 40 years of age and, you know, went down to this place called the Pool of Mercy, this place where it was, where he was coming to uh, receive healing. He was coming to a place where he wanted to accept and receive, you know, the the power that came from this pool at Bethesda, but it was also called the pool of mercy for one reason, because things were taking place there, and many of the Jewish people saw that an angel of the Lord had appeared, went in there, stirred up the water, so people wanted to go where the angel of the Lord was at. Do you want to go where the angel of the Lord is at? I know I do. If people tell me, hey, the Spirit's over there, I want to follow the Spirit over there. For many of us, we can say the Spirit's there, but I don't know that we're communicating, and I think we live our lives out like this. I go to this church and I see God do miracles and I see him perform certain things, but yet I don't know that I believe it personally because if you did, this place, we'd have people with the windows open. Wouldn't it be cool if the windows were open and people were sitting out there? Wouldn't it be cool? But we're in a time and a place where we have so many emotional wounds and that people are scarred because of the hurt and the pain that's gone on in the church that they don't even want to come to church anymore. I love this one. I'd go, but that pastor, I'd go, but that deacon... I'd go, but that trustee's wife, she's kind of a mean woman. Well, you know what? I don't go to church for anybody. I go to for Christ. And when you come to church, and we know that revival takes place when we, we change our focus. We change where we're at. We're changing what we're doing. We're coming because, you know what? I want to feel the presence of the Lord. The reason why I was on such a high last week was because I was excited because I met Jesus here. I like going to a place where I can meet Jesus. And so here's this lame guy, and I always love it because it talks about him being lame. And, uh, but here's a guy who's crippled, and I say maybe he was lame for a lot of reasons. He had sin in his life. Maybe he was lame as lame can be. I know in our English language today, people are like, he's really lame. Well, he might be lame spiritually, he might be lame physically, he might be lame spiritually, but we know that deliverance can come and healing can come because we can go to Jesus. We don't have to go to a pool, we don't have to go to the temple, we can go directly to him, and that's the access that we have when the veil was torn in two, and that we can go to Jesus Christ because of the resurrection and life we have in Christ. Amen? 
So therefore, I like that I'm challenged today to say, where am I at? Am I still back on my hurt, my hang-up, and my habits? And am I going back? People come to New Hope for recovery, but they're still holding on to what was instead of looking forward to the mark going forward and saying, I'm going to be different. I want to be different. So, so look to the person next to you and say, I want to be different. Okay, they're going to hold you accountable. We'll see you next Sunday. They're going to be asking you three important questions. How different are you? Just kidding. But I want you to see this story because I think the Chosen really did a great job of actually playing out the part of the crippled man. He goes down every day. Now think about this. As he goes down to the pool of mercy, as he goes down to Bethesda, he's actually having people help him. Think, think this through. Crippled from birth, crippled as a young man, 38 years, that means somebody had to take him to this place every day as he just waited. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I think of the word wait. I also think of it as waiter. And uh, so if we wait on the Lord and if we wait for him, there's two different types of meanings that are there, you know, that we can look at. But are we waiting on him? Are we serving him? Do we have that deep relationship with him? I like how they play this out. Watch the expression of this lame man. Watch the expression of this crippled man. And I think they really depicted as he was trying to find out, oh, are you Jesus, the son of God? This is what all the fuss is about. An oversized mikveh. I have a feeling we haven't seen it all yet. That's him. been here the longest, but doesn't belong. The sad one. Why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Just stay with me and watch. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. 
Will you take me to the water? Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool, it has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up. Pick up your mat. And walk. He said, don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. Yo! It's Shabbat. What are you doing? Torah forbids carrying a mat on Shabbat? Not Torah, the oral tradition. Yes. Transporting objects from one domain to another violates Shabbat. The man who healed you. Do you not realize what just happened here? Why are you trying to make this about Shabbat? He said to me, take up your bed and walk. Who did? Who told you that? He did. 
I don't know. He didn't tell me his name. No. Of course not. He performs a magic trick and tells you to commit a sin. A false prophet. This will be reported. You report whatever you want. Are you standing on two legs? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I need to go find my brother. I think it was cool in the Gospels where he said, pick up your mat. God will deliver us, but I also do believe that he reminds us of his deliverance. Isn't that interesting? So he said, pick up your mat. I believe that was something that he could hold on to, but I believe that I think there's pain in many of our lives that he said, and you heard one of the disciples say, listen, you're different now. A new life is now. Take your Bible, if you would, please, and let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. I'm going to highlight here this morning right now, verse 6, John 5, verse 6. We live in a society that loves to make excuses. And one of our favorite phrases is, it's not my fault. I'm negative because of my unhealthy environment. My husband walked out on me, or my wife walked out on me. I've, I've lost a loved one, and that's why I am angry. But here's what it says in verse 6 of John chapter 5. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Let's continue this morning. The truth is, if we are bitter and resentful, it's because we are allowing ourselves to remain in that condition. We're allowing ourselves to remain that way. We've all had negative things happen to us. If you look hard enough, you can easily find reasons to have that chip on your shoulder. Anyone can make excuses and blame the past for his or her bad attitude or poor choices or even their hot temper. You may have had valid reasons for feeling the way you do. You may have gone through things that nobody deserves to experience in life. Perhaps you were physically, maybe verbally, or sexually, or even emotionally abused. Maybe for some of you, you've struggled with a chronic illness or some other irreparable physical problem. Perhaps... Somebody took advantage of you in business and maybe you've lost some of your business. Maybe you lost your shirt, as the old phrase says, as well as your self-esteem. I don't know and mean to minimize those sad experiences. But if you want to live in victory, you cannot use past emotional wounds as an excuse for making your poor choices today. Dare not use your past as an excuse for your current bad attitude or as a rationalization for your unwillingness to forgive somebody. And it's time to allow those emotional wounds to heal, to let go of your excuses and stop feeling sorry for yourself. It's time to get rid of your victim mentality. Amen? Nobody, not even God, even promised a life would be fair. So quit comparing your life to somebody else and quit dwelling on what could have been, should have been, would have been, all the other odives 
or maybe even might have been, quit asking questions such as, why this, why that, or why me? Take what God has given you and make the most of it. Be encouraged today. Suffered much? Endured great hardships, maybe negative things in your life? Maybe there's some deep wounds or even some scars. Don't let your past determine your future. I'm going to get into that here in a little bit, but you can't do anything about the past. You can face what's in front of you. And church, I just want to encourage you to let go of hurts and pains and forgive the people who did you wrong. Lord knows I need this message today. And forgive yourself for the mistakes you've made. I bet you many of us in this room can say, we've all been there. We've all made mistakes. We've disappointed people. We've let them down. There's been all kinds of expectations. But you've got to learn to say, you know what? I've got to forgive myself. Maybe for some of you in the room, maybe you need to forgive God. Perhaps you've been blaming Him for taking one of your loved ones, which I just heard this week. You know, it was, it was interesting because yesterday I'm standing out here and uh, the bride's mother got real sick with COVID, ended up being on oxygen, really had a rough way a year ago. And they almost lost her. She was in ICU. I mean, it was just, Joyce went through quite a bit. But she said this to me. I'm glad to be standing here today. This was her mother speaking. And she said, I'm glad to be here today because I already lost one son at 31. And I'd be very angry if I lost another one. Well, I kind of stood there and I went, wait a minute. God knows what he's doing. If we trust him in the good, we trust him in the bad. Maybe for some of you, you're angry. Because maybe he didn't answer your prayers the way you thought or some situation didn't work out the way you had hoped. Regardless, you will never be truly happy as long as you harbor bitterness in your heart. You will wallow in self-pity, always feeling sorry for yourself, thinking that life hasn't dealt you a fair hand. You must, and I encourage you to please let go of those negative attitudes and the accompanying anger that comes along with it. Change the channel and start focusing on the goodness of God. I like what it says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, one of my greatest verses I, I, I love. But it says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, pure whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What does that say? Meditate on these things. I'm going to do something different today. I just got a thought. I need a couple volunteers. Okay, yeah, my son-in-laws. You, 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 and you. Come on up. Ah, I love paybacks. Isn't that great? So let me see what I can do here. Don't I have good-looking son-in-laws? Oh, sorry. Did I just say it? All right, spread out here just a little bit. Oh, let me go back. Aren't we a good-looking family? Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, all right. So we're going to do something. And I'm glad that we're setting up the, the sanctuary like we did. I need a remote. Can I get a remote? Thank you. 
So you're going to be happy. You're going to be sad. You're going to be glad. And you're going to be mad. Happy, sad, glad, mad. What are you? Okay. Now, this is kind of like our life, isn't it? I think this is what we do because of our emotional wounds, right? You know, so I think we play this stuff out in our head. And I I was just trying to think about Scripture. You know, it says, meditate on these things. Whatever things are happy, whatever things, you know, are are true. But uh, one thing I think we need to do is we need to learn to change the channel. Right, Because we have a tendency to be hung up on something or a situation, and it hinders us from truly our relationship with Christ. Why are we here today? We're here today because I know my number one desire is to have a deeper and deeper and deeper relationship with Christ. Satan always has a tendency to bring me back to the channels of mad or sad instead of happy and glad. Right? And so here's what I think we need to do. So, you know, oftentimes we go in our living room and we we just kind of, we get real comfortable. (sighs) Now, we're not talking about the Cleveland Browns right now, everybody, okay? (laughs) We're talking about our life. So the question is, do you want to be well? We have to let go of those emotional wounds, but we'll sit and we'll start playing out our life. I am so mad. Click. I'm mad because of the way I was... Come on now. Get rid of the grin. We need to look a little bit more mad. I should have practiced with these guys. It just didn't work out the way I'd anticipated. Okay, I know this is difficult for you, but I, I really thought this thing through, right? I am so mad because I lost my job. I'm so mad because my wife... She just did this to me and I'm angry. I'm so... (sighs) So because we're mad, I think it's probably important to think, you know, we're like, okay, but this is giving me power. And so I'm going to go over to sad. Click. So we change. I'm so sad. I'm just depressed. I can't do anything. I feel dead. Very good. That's exact. And so we, we lose energy. We're depressed. We grab the popcorn. We feed it because we're sad. We're either mad. And what reality is, you know, we've got to change that emotional mindset because if we don't, then we allow Satan to get a stronghold in our life. And we, we can't think about whatsoever things are lovely, true, kind, pure. It's very difficult to really live a good, effective, successful Christian life. So then we become more of a victim than a victor. So then we have to say, okay, wait a minute. I've got to change some things. I know who I am in Christ. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a winner, not a whiner. I, I know that God is for me. He's not against me. And so now, I'm going to be happy. You know why I'm happy? Because I feel like I could just dance around my living room. You know what? Just like because things make me happy. My kids make me happy. I have healthy family. I have healthy kids. I, I feel so happy that now I could just shout because I'm glad. Did, okay, let's give it up for the, the... All right. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, if I had to, when the Cleveland Browns won, the reason why I thought I would do a little screaming for, you know, uh, Ryan to be glad, because he screams a little louder when the Cleveland Browns are on, and if they win, I was a little bit off there just, but I mean, you did, you did pretty good, just saying. <laughs> Learn to change the channel. Don't let your mind or your emotions drag you down into despair. Instead, dwell on the good things God has done in your life. Let's look at the testimonies. The reason why I wanted to do happy, sad, glad, or mad was because I wanted us to understand that there's people that you meet in your life and they will just, that role play goes over and over and over in their mind. You know, I have a, I have a devotion in my, my living room and I was reading it and it says, you're, you're stronger than you think. And I do believe that there is power in the tongue, there's power in the word, there's power in the name of Jesus. And so, you know, by, by claiming that and receiving that and living it out in our life, we start to find victory in our Christian life. You know, I really, people are always going to judge you. They're going to be jealous of you and they're going to make you want to go back to the place where either you're mad or you're sad. But I think there was a great picture that I saw that Travis played out. I love the way that you said sad because doesn't sad deplete you? You lose energy. That was really a great. And I did not tell the guys I were doing this. I was doing this because then they would get nervous and probably leave in the service and I wouldn't find them. And, you know, so but I, I do know that, you know, we live a life of self-pity. Many of us do that because we live, we, we relish, you know, the attention that it brings to us. And then it becomes our identity. And I want people to know that, man, that guy was such an inspiration. Yesterday at the wedding, uh, the owner of the campground that we were a part of, he was like this. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. I knew it. I go, what did you know? He said, I knew that when, when I came to this church, it says Todd all over it. It's just like your camper. You are particular there. You're particular here. He's walking through and going, yeah, I mean, literally like this. Yeah, I knew it. I knew. So did you remodel it? Who, how long have you been here? So that's our identity, right? I wanted him to see that we were serious about our Savior that we serve. I'm happy. I, you know... I love being up here. I don't like it that the, my, my bride is not here uh, cheering me on and winking at me and blowing me kisses and, you know, saying all the things she does. Sometimes she even holds up signs that says, Todd, you said the wrong date. That is the wrong story or something like that. You know, we have cue cards. She doesn't do that often, but she has helped me out quite a bit because I sometimes, you know, I have a tendency to go down this path over here. But because I'm thinking about her, I need to stay on focus or I'm going to go back down this path over here. Just kidding. Uh, so listen to this. Even though a person that might have a, uh, a problem with their identity, that person should be treated with great compassion and care for as long as it takes to regain health and strength to get him or her back on her feet. But here's the truth. Some people don't want to get well. They like the attention. You know, I, I was thinking of this story, and I'm, I'm leading up to the story today about the lame man, but I think that people, he, he, as he was laying there, here's what he did. 
Me? But I've been here forever. Well, guess what? You've been here forever, but you never encountered Jesus. How many of you have been in this place forever, but maybe you need to encounter Jesus? How many of you have been wallowing in misery, but you need to encounter Jesus? How many of you have just been going to church, but you don't have a relationship? You need to encounter Jesus. See, many of us need to encounter Jesus. Don't get mad at me. I'm just preaching God's word and what he laid on my heart. And I just, I want all of us to know that we can get up, that we know that there is healing through Jesus. I've watched people through death. I've watched people through some of the the difficult times of their life. People will stop going around other people because they always have this woe is me mentality. I want people when they walk away to feel a sense of joy. I want to be glad. I want to be happy. I want people to say that, you know what, there is healing. There is power through Jesus Christ. You know, there was a story of a a couple that lost their 15-year-old son. And one of the phrases that they said was, you just don't know what it is like to lose your only son. My, My response is, I I can't, and I don't even understand. I don't know what it's like to lose a child, but I know who does. God does. He understands. And even though one would say that that still didn't help, it's because they like to live in that place of self-pity and isolation. Listen to me. I don't want you to live life like that. You know why I love having a singing group in? You know why I love to do hallelujah hoedowns and all the other you know, festivities around the church? Because it, it stirs up change. Today, the sanctuary looks different because it stirs up some change. You're all in different places. I don't even know who I'm looking at. Welcome to New Hope. Is this your first time? Because I'm not sure I recognize your face because you're in a different spot. Listen, if you've had something painful happen to you, Don't let that experience be the focal point of your life. Stop talking about it. Stop bringing it up to your friends. You must get beyond it. Unless you let go of the old, God will not bring the new. It is natural to feel sorrow and to grieve, but you shouldn't still be grieving five or ten years later. If you really want to be whole, if you really want to get well, you need to move on with your life. And too often, we keep reliving the painful memories of the past negatively or or, or negating God's desire to, to bring healing. Just about when we're ready to heal, we start talking about our painful experience again. We bring it up to our friends. We start reliving it, seeing it in our imagination. All of a sudden, we can feel those same emotions start to flood us over and over again. As though we were tearing open the old wound, it will never properly heal until we learn to leave it alone. But remember, church, and remember, listen to me. Your emotions follow your thoughts. And when you dwell on painful experiences in your past, your emotions can go right back there with you and you feel the pain in the present. You can relive something in your mind and feel it today just as vividly as when it happened 20 years ago. It's interesting because even going through this in the pain, it was, it was funny because I, I made the comment. I'm like, hey, senior, when you had that issue with your leg and you had that hole there, I mean, did you? He goes, wow, you're talking about it now and I can feel the pain. Isn't that what you said to me? Isn't that interesting? If I start talking to you about pain or a cut or something you went through, you start feeling that pain. 
it's, it's amazing how powerful our mind is, and it goes right back to those senses that kind of stir up some of that pain in our life. And I think the same thing happens with even the church. I will never go back. I hear it almost every week from people. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just, it's hard for me to go back because it's just difficult for me. Look up here. Pain will never heal unless we learn to leave it alone. Pain will never heal unless we learn to leave it alone. So, Pastor, here's my question. How do I get healing from the pain and hurt from my past? Refuse to go back there emotionally. Refuse to dredge up negative emotional memories. They will do you no good. In fact, strongly felt negative emotions can hold the potential to severely stifle your progress. Many times we don't realize just what it will do, but those negative thoughts will stifle our progress. How many of you want to live a great victorious life? Amen. I do know this, that I think that the young man who was there, who was lame, I think that uh, he ended up dealing with some things in his life, and I'm going to explain those to you very quickly. Every person has two main files in his or her memory system. There are two main files. The first file is this. It is filled with good things that happen to us. Second of all, it is filled with victories and accomplishments and then joy and happiness. You can leave those up there. So when we look at this, here's the first file. All the good things that happen to us, the victories, the accomplishments, isn't that what helps us keep going? Listen, in my discouragement, do you know that I have to always open up that first file and tell myself, remember where you were at, what God did and how he did it? And then I'm like, yep, this is exactly where I need to be, what I need to do, because I know greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Name all these things we've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm going, to th- I'm going to be glad and I'm going to be happy. And Lord, I want you today to restore the joy of my salvation. Now, file number one seems to be somewhat easy. But then the second file is just the opposite. It kind of stores some of the hurts and pains of the past. Negative things that have happened to us. Maybe for some of us, some of the defeats and failures of our life, what we thought we should do and yet, you know, we, we really didn't we, or we weren't as successful as we thought we would be. And yet it brought us all those things bring us sadness, sorrow and suffering. So today, church, which file will you choose? What will you choose? And I think I could probably say this, and I didn't put out any type of statistic or question. And I think we tend to wear out file number two. Because we are preoccupied with the negative things. So we never get around to exploring file number one. If you want to be free... If you want to overcome self-pity, throw away the key to file number two. Don't go back there anymore. Keep your mind focused on the good things that God has done in your life. 
We all know the verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. An old joke says this. If you break your arm in three places, don't go to those places anymore. There may be more truth in that corny line than we realize. When the pains of the past beckon your attention, don't go back there. Instead, remind yourself, no thanks. I'm going to think on things that are of good report, things that are going to build me up, not tear me down. Things that are going to encourage me and fill me with peace and happiness. Not things that attempt to steal my hope and drain my spirit. But it's so easy for all of us. So here we are, and I'm, we showed them, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air, but I'll do this quickly. We're going to read in the Bible, John chapter 5, verses 1 through 18, about a man in Jerusalem that you guys saw who had been crippled for 38 years. He spent every day of his life on a map, but I want you to see what it says here in the Scripture. And here this man had a deep-seated lingering disorder. And here's what it says in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And we'll do this quickly. Now, there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Why? Why did that happen? Here it is. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in at first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease that he had. A certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Watch this play out. This is amazing to me. So Jesus asks him the question, and right before him, we see throughout Scripture that that is the Son of God. We start to see, he says, I'm there to represent my Father, which you'll see later on, you know, here in this chapter. But we start to see the Father and the Son play out in the Holy Spirit, so you see the Trinity, the three in one. But it's amazing to me that Jesus will reveal himself to you, yet you will do the same thing. You will ask questions like, me? Are you talking to me? So, but here's what he tells him. He says, Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And the day was the Sabbath. Because Jewish holidays, you were not allowed to do any healings or anything on the Sabbath. It was supposed to, they looked at that as works-based. But we understand the difference that, you know, we realize that Jesus is the Messiah. They're still looking for the coming Messiah. So they're looking at him as a rabbi, as a teacher, and not, a, you know, the son of God. So they're still thinking, who is this guy? What is he actually doing here? The Jews, therefore, said to him, who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Then afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Back 
that up just a minute here. I want to show you guys. Watch what it says up here in the scripture. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Now say this with me. Sin no more. I'm going to kind of wind things down right here. I'm going to do part two next week. Because I have a lot of information that I want to share. But I believe I... I want to share this with you. Jesus appears unto him. And as I conclude this morning, he appears, but what I thought is so profound, and I've circled this, I've highlighted it in my Bible, because here's what he said. He knew who he was when he approached him. Now, if you'll watch, he stood afar off and you see all of the people that were there now i think in that in that movie in the chosen they're starting to show that there was people all over the place and it said that there was lame the paralyzed blind all of the crippled everybody was there but now what do we notice we notice that people are waiting i think that's like us i think many of us are waiting for god to answer the prayer when he's already tried to answer your prayer several times, but you didn't know who he was. You didn't see him there. So Jesus even said to him, wait a minute. He has been here quite a while. Isn't it amazing? We go to God and we ask him to heal us. We ask him to deliver us. We ask him to do a work in our life. And then we do We see him do it, and then we don't want to talk about it. So on my chest, I will have a scar. And this week, I've probably shared my story five or ten times. And for some, maybe 15. But now I have a story that I will share with everybody. I knew when Jesus spoke to me. I know he visited me. He visited me right here when I was like this last month on a Sunday morning. I know what he did. I know what he said. I know how he delivered me. And because I got the results back from the pathology report and they said my margins are clear, no more treatment, no more this, no more that, I said, glory, hallelujah, God is good. Amen? Listen, I've run into several different people with the same type of cancer. And you know what they've said? You are so blessed. I didn't even know this, but the secretary at my accounting office She rounded around, gave me the high five, and she was crying. I couldn't figure out why she was crying because she said at 23 years of age, she was diagnosed with the same cancer. And they cut her from here, clear up to here, and down through here. And she did a year of chemo and and, uh, I think it was 15 radiation treatments. I didn't know what my future held, but I know who holds the future. And I know that God is powerful. And I'm here to tell you. And I even looked at somebody. And I, I, I'm probably just like you guys. I know I'm a pastor. And, I, and I've, I've seen the works of the Lord. We, this, we are in a sanctuary right now that is truly a miracle. A miracle that we're here. For what God has done and how he's blessed. This is a miracle. We are standing and sitting on holy ground. Who gets a church for $125,000 when the tax assessment says $1,365,000? Oh, we do. Why? What does the plaque say? It's your big deal. Hallelujah. Thank you. Enjoy it right on cue. 
Because we're a big, big deal. We're a child of the Most High God because that's what He wants to do to us. Don't think and don't take credit for what He's done. So when I start telling people, they're like, oh, what'd you do to your arm when I had my sling on? Which I was supposed to have it on today, but it's okay. We're healing. We've been healed. So, uh, so I said, do you want to hear? And you know, I even have a tendency, and I, I, I'm going to make this kind of real for all of us. You know, not being raised in a very uh, conservative background, going to church. Some people won't even come here in my family because they call me the charismatic pastor. I am charismatic. Thank you. I'm charismatic about Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on now. And, uh, but I have a tendency sometimes I'm like, I've got to tell you what happened to me. I saw the face of Jesus. I saw the crown of thorns. I saw the blood drop right in here. I wasn't even thinking about my incision. I mean, my, my cancer that was there. I hadn't even had surgery. I'd had a bio, we hadn't even heard it. I mean, I was just like blown away what God was doing. You know why? Because we're faithful. See, there is power in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to give him all the glory for the rest of my life. Because, you know, life is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. But here's reality. Todd, you have two files. You have two choices. File number one or file number two. You can look at the victories in your life. You can look at all the major accomplishments that bring you joy and glad and happiness and all the things. Or you can go over here to file number two and you could say, oh, I'm miserable. I'm sad. I can't stand what I've been through. I've been broke. I've been... You know what? Well, that's right Well, you'll stay. But we need to know that God's provisions are amazing. And He wants to heal us. And He wants to, to, to really provide for us. But we have to have the faith and trust to believe that He will do that. Can you receive that this morning? Amen. Next week, I want to talk to you and we'll break down about getting up and moving on. Getting up and get moving. Because for many of us, we've been sitting for a long time. You haven't retired. You don't retire till you're six feet under. I'll probably be coming up here like this. Turn in your Bibles. I won't do that to you. I promise. I won't do that. I'll know when my time is up. I've seen that in a lot of churches. And then the poor old pastor, I love his heart. But uh, he's preaching to three people. His cat, his dog, and his wife. How sweet is that, right? Today, can I encourage all of you? I'm not standing up here to say I'm any different than anybody else. I'm not standing up here to say that, you know, uh, I don't deal with emotional wounds because I do. I deal with emotional wounds, spiritual wounds, physical wounds. You know, ministry hasn't been easy. It's been hard. But I know this. I know my God's been faithful. And I know that I've been able to say, you know what? I'm not going to live on what was. Lord, I'm claiming and I'm receiving what is to become. And I'm going to live and bask in your glory. And today I want you to receive that as well. Let's rise to our feet as we, we have the altar call. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that today here we are in your place and in your presence. And Father, we ask, Lord, that for some that might be here today that maybe had... Maybe they have felt like they've been handicapped. Maybe they felt they've been crippled or there's some certain things that they've been holding on to today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will release that in their life. Help them not to hold on to those emotional wounds, but to know that they can have freedom and victory through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I know that we need a breakthrough. I know for some that we need to continue to claim your goodness. And, Lord, know that you are faithful. 
And we will trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust in you and obey you. So today, God, search our hearts. Help us to remember what you've done. Help us to, to continue to open up file number one. Keep it open and not remember the things that, that people have done to us to, to hurt us and to make us sorrowful and sad. But help us, Lord, to know that your joy unspeakable and that we're full of glory. God, thank you for today. Stir within our spirits. Motivate us to be great witnesses tomorrow. Help us to be great witnesses today at lunch with the waiters and waitresses. Lord, we know that Satan wants to just uh, continue to say that everything you heard today, just remember, look who you are. But God, I know who I am. I am a child of the Most High God. I know I am forgiven. I know I have favor. I know, God, that you are good and you are powerful and you're mighty. God, help us to be great men of God. Help us to be great women of God. Help us, Lord, as we walk and, and we talk and we're faithful in you. Lord, we need your strength today. So in our weakness, make us strong. Lord, we thank you for you being here today. We thank you for your presence. We ask that you will bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.